Previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz. Are they hawking the candle at the end no, of each episode? But, but to, to bring up vaginas for a moment, um, they oh, there's a did whole. Did we? Yes, she did. Yes, oh, I did. Because yes. the, the, they Goop sells a candle that that it's called "This Smells Like My Vagina," <laughs> and it's seventy five dollars. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. Welcome to the podcast that keeps you up on new movies. It does. We try the best of TV and entertainment news, too. I'm Lou Katz. Please, please welcome from Vulture and WTOP, Jen Chaney. Hello. Vulture, Vulture Lady. (laughs) Vulture Lady. And we cannot forget about the most important piece to this mess. It's that veteran broadcast film critic... Arch Campbell. Yes, I'm starring in my own version of Where Are They Now? <laughs> so here we are, Jen. And uh, I'm thinking uh, on this episode, it's not a great time to be an award show. <laughs> <laughs> the, now that we know the Grammys are rigged. <laughs> well, seemingly wow. rigged. What about that? I mean, the Grammys this year... They had that controversy going oh. into it. And then, of course, the death of Kobe Bryant well, yeah. uh, and all the people who were on that helicopter, including his daughter, Gianna. Mm. Um, that news was very, very fresh going into that award ceremony. And I thought Alicia Keys handled that with real grace. Mm. Um, she was a very good host, just like the right the right sense of confidence, but also she kind of very calming kind of presence throughout the award ceremony, I thought. But the award ceremony is too long, considering that they barely give out any awards. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Uh, the times I've watched the Grammys, it seemed to me like somebody would perform and then they'd win, kind of like they mm-hmm. knew in advance. Mm-hmm. So uh, when uh, when the former CEO said the things are rigged, I don't, that, that's just a damaging thing to put out there. It is. And I hope that it doesn't just go away, that there's more investigation into that and, and more coverage of what's really going on there, because I think it deserves to be looked at. So speaking of rigged... The, the the Directors Guild Awards are not rigged, but uh, Sam Mendes won for 1917. And I've always heard that the guy who wins the Directors Guild, and it usually is a guy, I'm sorry, has mm-hmm. been, uh, usually goes on to win the uh, Oscar for Best Picture and Best Director. You uh, Are you down with Sam Mendes? I mean, that's what I'm going to be predicting at this point, mm-hmm. because that seems mm-hmm. like a foregone conclusion. If it's not a great time for award shows, it seems the, the Oscars are earlier this year than ever, mm-hmm. February 9th. And they moved them up, and uh, it seems to me like this year the Oscars are more predictable than ever. I don't know. It's hard to say. They're always pretty predictable. <laughs> I mean, I think there are just so many. The problem they're contending with is there are so many other award shows before them mm-hmm. and that are given much more attention now, and that has been the case for quite some time, that even if they move them up earlier, it doesn't necessarily make them, you know, give give them a greater sense of urgency. Um, I think they did it because they were trying to uh, do better in the ratings. They thought maybe it would help, but that remains to be seen. They will always be in February, I predict, because that's the rating month. February is the Although, rating month. That's so meaningless now. Yeah, so meaningless. It, Sweeps is, is it, meaningless. Really? I mean, for network, maybe it, it's meaningful on some level. Certainly, they still have to sell ads, but... More and more, the way people watch TV has absolutely nothing to do with 
advertising. People are watching streaming or they're skipping the ads. Mm-hmm. And the notion of sweeps, um, it really isn't what it used to be. Also, because they just roll out shows all year long. Yeah. So there's not a yeah. sense of like May yeah. is really important and, you know, the fall is really important and November is really important. It's just it's always important all the time. <laughs> and now we are used to shows coming all at once. You know, we get all of them and we can binge them. Right. Uh, when a show comes out, like I'm looking forward to, um, is it the center? The center, yeah. The center, and that will be a once a week show, right? And that's the first one like that. I guess is BoJack Horseman like that? No, it's on Netflix, so they they drop them all at once. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, I wanted to mention the rest of the Directors Guild Awards because you never hear about the rest of them, but and I think they are predictable. For the Oscars, American Factory won the Documentary Award, Mm -hmm. and I'm a big fan of that documentary. Yeah, I thought it was really good too. I think it's the best of the year, and so I'm I'm going to predict that when we come around to Oscar predictions. Uh, The director of Honey Boy won first time feature. I didn't even watch Honey Boy because I hate Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that one either, to be honest. You know, I'm. I'm not interested in his life. That's that's not a nice thing for me to say. Bill Hader won one at Chernobyl Saturday Night Live for the Eddie Murphy feature. And the director of Watchmen, Nicole Castle, won for drama series. Watchmen, yeah. by the way, um, there will not be a follow-to. Yeah, Damon Lindelof has said he's not going to do one. HBO said, well, we're not doing it without you, Damon. And Damon's like, well, I'm not doing it. So I think they're at a stalemate right now. Wow. Wow. What a series that was. You put me onto that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's it's great. I was happy to see Nicole win. She's, um, I moderated the New York Comic Con panel for uh-huh. Watchmen, and uh-huh. she was, I got to talk with her a little bit. So you were, you were on to Watchmen early. Yes. Wow. Again, thanks to you, I've seen two things that mean the most to me, that have stayed with me the most this year. Watchmen and Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Chernobyl I found on my own, and that's also a thing. Yeah, that that's I, a great, great limited series. Uh, can we give a shout out to um, Adam Driver on Saturday <laughs> Night Live this week? He's phenomenal. You know, I don't, I'm not wild about Marriage Story. But I like him, and because of Saturday Night Live, I really like him now. Mm -hmm. Uh, His opening monologue, Saturday Night, was just um, thrilling. Because it seems to me like, it seems to me that in the past few years, Saturday Night Live has become kind of generic. And uh, when the hosts come, they'll get the other cast members to come out and kind of prop them up because they don't want to do a monologue. And uh, Adam Driver came out and basically poked fun at himself and at the acting industry and uh, and carried it all on his own. It was, it was a brilliant performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say there are hosts who don't need to be propped up, I think, especially when they have like a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John Mulaney, for example, he's another one. It's like when John Mulaney's hosting, it's yeah. going to be a good show because yeah. he came from Saturday yeah. Night Live and uh, and he he can do a monologue without any help from anybody. But yeah, Adam Driver, this was the third time I think he's hosted. Yeah. And what I love about him is that he just fully commits to whatever it is. You know, whether it's that sketch he did about the, which they've done before about the science show where the uh-huh. kids don't know. Uh-huh. 
any of the answers and he just loses his mind. He never breaks and he just completely fully commits. And he has such presence. I saw him in a play with Carrie Russell last year and he mm. was just out yeah. of this world. I heard that performance was just in, that he just dominated the stage. He did. He just, I mean, he's a big he, dude. You know yeah, he's a big dude, yeah, but then you see yeah. him in person and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. He just has like a, you can't ignore him purely for the physicality, the space he takes up, but he also has just great charisma and, and like I said, commitment. Uh, even Eddie Murphy when he came on this season, uh, he was propped up by uh, Dave Chappelle yeah. and Chris Rock and some other. You know, I felt like that. But uh, Adam Driver, he carried it on his own. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uh, way high on him now. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of on television. Anything we need to know on uh, cable or TV? Yeah, this is a big week for the ends of things. Um, The end of The Good Place is coming this week. By the time you hear this, it will have ended. And then right after that, the last episodes of BoJack Horseman drop on Netflix. And I don't want to give anything away, but it's having watched. I haven't seen the finale of The Good Place yet. I've seen everything but the finale. And I've seen all of the end of BoJack. And thematically, they touch on very similar, um, even down to some imagery that they evoke. Very similar. I'm trying to get into BoJack Horseman. I've started the first season and I'm up through about 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. And it is very uh, deft satire. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's it's very sly. I do. I do love what they're doing and the way they skewer um hollywood and celebrity and and the way um like it's so i'm only in season one so i just saw the episode with margot martindale she's a recurring character <laughs> is she <laughs> and keith oberman as the the hollywood newscaster is there's some great things going on in there but i find it that I can only take it in small doses. Well, what I'll tell you is that season one is good. Season two on is just, uh-huh. it just takes off in a, in a much like, more significant way. There's a lot more depth to what they're dealing with. Um, in addition to the satire, which is also still very good. Um, so I, I, you know, either keep going with it or just skip ahead to season two. You've seen enough of season one to have a, a sense of it. Because uh, that's when I think it really comes into its own. So next week we will get back together and shall next week shall we just take an Oscar ballot and fill it out. That'll be sure. our predictions. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I think we're certainly together on uh, the majors. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll be fun to go through uh, the mm-hmm. rest of them. Yeah, definitely. You're on that Gold Derby site, right? I am, although I don't know if they're promoting me during movies as much as they do during Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I also have not been uh, totally on top of updating my predictions. <laughs> uh, so that might be part of the reason. Well, we're going to talk to... Um, one of our one of my favorite members of Gold Derby, Susan Wazena, later on. But uh, first, uh, what is percolating today? Well, it's that time where I offer up <laughs> for the for the handful of fans here. Oh, we I got an email by the way. From oh, you're Bob kidding? Spruel. Yes, we got our one emailer emailed us in. <laughs> We're so only allowed once a, once a month to get an email. I'm going to discuss what he's brought up <laughs> later in the show. How's that for a uh, tease? Oh, I like that. Uh, we do have another uh, trivia question this week, ah. and yes, since we're in the thick of the Oscar season, here it is for you. Name one of the three films that have won eleven Oscars on award night. Eleven is the highest that has ever been won, ever been awarded. I think that's right. Yes, eleven, and it happened three times. Mm-hmm. And I bet we can suss it out, but we'll do that. <laughs> so, name one. I think you you should get extra points if you should if you could name 
all three. Right. All three that won 11, 11. on Oscar night. Anyway, we'll work on the answer to that in just a little while towards the end of the podcast. In the meantime, mm. officially, this is the CATS podcasting system. So uh, I'm interested that Bad Boys for Life has been as successful as it is. It's kind of revised uh, Martin Lawrence's career. It was the number one movie again last week and has made $120 million in two weeks. How about that? And you know what the uh, second biggest movie is at the box office these days? 1917. And that's not going to hurt it going into Oscars either. I think uh, 1917 doing a lot of business is just another sign of that. So, uh, did you go to the Blake Lively uh, screening? I didn't because I had an interview to do that conflicted with the screening time. So, I had to miss Blake Lively and Jude Law. Oh, that was convenient. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't my choice, I swear. The rhythm section, which I understand is a highly uh, respected uh, spy thriller or thriller, assassin thriller. It's Blake Lively and she uh, begins the film... She's a prostitute in the Middle East and a junkie. And a journalist comes to see her and says, I know why your family died. And so suddenly she finds Jude Law out in the middle of Scotland and trains as an assassin and spends the rest of the movie uh, killing people. Hmm. And uh, I like Blake Lively a lot. And I think this is one of those movies where she said, I'm going to de-glamorize myself. So she's, we see her bruises and we see her without makeup. And uh, she's very athletic. And the movie is just a horrible misfire. Mm. I'm sorry. Uh, it's slow going. I never made the connections. How'd she go from being a, a drug addict to a world-class assassin? Why is she so mad Uh you know, and then uh, Sterling K. Brown is her lover. And then, uh, you know, there's a twist. It's just, it's a it's a complete misfire. Uh, the pacing is bad and um, uh, it's not the right thing for her. She's miscast. Hmm. And I like her a lot. I have liked her movies. She makes a lot of these mid-level style movies uh, that remind me of young Joan Crawford. I, you know, I just, (laughs) I think she's got that Hollywood thing, but uh, the name of the movie is the rhythm section. And it's one of the worst movies I've seen this year. Yeah. That's a shame. Not only because of her, but, you know, there's some other good actors in it that you yeah. just mentioned. And it was also directed by Reed Morano, right. who, if I'm not mistaken, directed the first couple episodes of Handmaid's Tale and really set mm-hmm. the visual tone for that show. Um, and so I was looking forward to seeing, you know, what other things she was going to do. They were supposed to open it last year and they, they have delayed it an entire year. It was slated for last February. Then it was slated for this fall. And now, you know, it's it's one of those January movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Sorry. <laughs> you want to talk about Oscar shorts. Yeah, well, I have a better alternative if you're oh. looking for something to see at the theaters. All of the Oscar shorts, the Oscar documentary shorts, the Oscar live action shorts, and the animated shorts are going to be playing in a number of theaters uh, around the country starting this weekend. Um, so you can watch like all the animated shorts that are nominated mm. in a row, or the documentaries, or the live actions. And I love that they do this and that it's, it's you know, kind of, it used to just be at a couple theaters and it seems like more and more are, are picking them 
up and showing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've watched a lot of these, and, and some of them are really great. I loved Hair Love, which is one of the animated shorts about uh, a little African-American girl and her father's trying to do her hair. It's really sweet. I watched a really intense uh, live-action short called Brotherhood that was really good. Uh, one of the documentaries, Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if You're a Girl, oh, uh, is wow. about uh, young girls in Kabul who ordinarily wouldn't even be getting an education. Mm-hmm. But there's this place called Skatistan where <laughs> the, the girls go and they get schooling, but they also uh-huh. learn how to skateboard, uh-huh. which is something they can't do publicly. So in this sort of enclosed space, they're able to learn how to do that. So, you know, you get these little snapshots of really interesting stories, interesting lives. And so, a lot of those directors and creative people go on to uh, to feature work. Yes, absolutely. And this is always, you know, when you're filling out an Oscar ballot, you get to the shorts and you're, you throw up your hands and go, I don't know, I'll just guess. Uh-huh. But if you can actually go and see them, it might help inform your choices. And they're just really entertaining and, and informative to watch. Well, and next week, we're just going to comb through the Oscar ballot. So uh, you can help us uh, on that. Okay. All right. Good. So uh, shall we call in our guest critic, Susan Wazena? I love talking to her. Uh, she's on Gold Derby, the website that follows award seasons. And uh, Susan, say hello to Jen Cheney. Hello, Jen. Hey, Susan. How you doing? I'm confused you didn't pick your picks for the Oscars yet. See, now she's nagging me about this because I just said to Art, I gotta... I have picked some, I just need to update it. So is this uh, is this the most predictable year for the Oscars? I don't know, sort of, kind of, in certain races, and others, who knows. But uh, yeah, uh, it's getting down that way, at least for the you know top categories, the actors, and I think the director and the. the best picture eventual winner i wanted to ask you i mean jen and i pretty much think it's sam mendez and 1917 and joaquin phoenix and renee zellweger and brad pitt and um laura dern i'm not going to disagree with any of that (laughs) (laughs) do you think 1917 has it locked up at this point yes you know the thing is it won for the PGA it won for the DGA he's probably going to get a BAFTA the film you know it's British so you right, know he's right. British and so that's kind of locked up I mean Parasite has a chance but it's also up for now they call it international film but you know it, that might be its prize but it did win the SAG ensemble and actors make up the majority of the voters but you never know mm-hmm. is, is there a day coming when a film like Parasite will win uh, Best Picture and truly turn the Oscars into a global event? Well, you know, they have that foreign language category, and that's what happened with Roma. It won that instead of Best Picture. And, but that also, you know, was a Netflix film, and they're kind of, you know, trying to wrap their heads around that whole thing going on. You know, my sense is that part of what's hurting The Irishman and maybe Marriage Story 2 is that they're both Netflix movies. But is that your sense of things, too? I think the prejudice is sort of subsiding somewhat. Mm-hmm. And especially when you have somebody like Martin Scorsese in that cast right. joining in. But it would be horrible to watch it on TV and not get the scope of what Mendes has accomplished. I mean, that's its big, you know, 
thrilled that right, he's right. done this. You know, I think he's a great filmmaker. He got wrapped up with, you know, the James Bond franchise and all that. And that will, you know, keep you a little bit out of the race, although Skyfall did do well. You could say it's predictable. You can also say it, this might be boring. But once in a while, you know, someone, especially <laughs> in the supporting categories, there might be a surprise. I was going to ask if, uh, s- since you, you are overseeing Gold Derby and overseeing awards competitions. Yeah. Can you put a percentage on the surprise uh, factor in the Oscars? Uh, you know, what's the percentage of something like uh, Moonlight winning Best Picture when nobody expects? Well, it didn't win any of the precursors that usually are the things that you look at, you know, like CGA or PGA or you know, SAG, and it just did come out of the blue like that. And that sort of happened with Spotlight, too. I think um, that year they thought the Revenant would win, and it didn't. But now, you know, a lot of times because of the, you know, you can have up to 10, the director often now doesn't match with the best picture winner. Mm -hmm. And I think this year, though, is different. And here's the thing. Like, Cheryl Boone Isaac, when she ran the Academy, she tried to diversify make it younger and all that but there's still a lot of older white men voting okay yeah (laughs) right 1917 that is their kind of film and i think that's one thing that has it going for it i also you know it's funny because when i saw ford versus ferrari and milberg I could feel the men, like, exhum- <laughs> you know, it was like hormones, it was like male hormones floating around. That was, you were sitting behind me, that was all that happened. Oh, that was you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> your, your new cologne. <laughs> yeah, I saw that um, uh, just at a regular screening at the Arclight in Bethesda, and I remember walking out and there was a, a baby boomer male, white man, <laughs> Uh, immediately on his phone, I just saw the best movie. Let me tell you all about it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, here's me. I, you know, whenever there's a car in a film, I never know what it is, what make, model, oh. whatever. But every guy I ever dated, my husband, <laughs> everyone, they go, that's a da 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 And I actually interviewed Carol Shelby when they did Gone in 60 Seconds because the original did use his Mustang. So I, I've talked to the man, you know, mm-hmm. but that still didn't give me any cred for knowing how to have <laughs> a model of a car in a movie. Well, beyond making fun of me and Lou. No, I like Ford vs. Ferrari. I'm making a joke there. <laughs> What about the pushback this year of uh, again of um, not enough women and not enough uh, diversity? It's a different era now. It's a different time, and I do think Greta Gerwig should have been nominated yeah, for yeah. Little Women, and they just didn't do it. At least it's in the Best Picture category. I liked. Lady Bird much right. more than this film because I've seen this film just with you know her twists and turns and putting her thoughts into it. But I wouldn't say it's my favorite Little Women adaptation. I like the one with Renata Ryder much more, and I covered it in the day. But I, I did appreciate her take on it and trying to update it a little bit without taking away what people love about the original book. Now you asked me what movie that is competing 
I, I guess, for Oscars that I didn't like so much and I, I, I was disappointed in. You know, when I watched Bombshell, okay, my first reaction was, wow, look, look at Charlize Theron. She doesn't even look like herself. Wow, she's really Megan Kelly. And then I said, well, what else is going on here? And, <laughs> I, I, you know, and I, I stepped back after that and I said, you know, I just don't think, you know, it's trying to be a Me Too movie, and it's not, because these women allowed this to go on for their jobs, and yes, it's hard to blow a whistle, but, you know, they all suffer for their, you know, taking this vow of silence, and it didn't feel like it was very much female camaraderie and, you know, support going on, <laughs> and so, you know, and then, you know... I, Okay, I don't watch that much Fox News either. So the fact that, you know, what's going on politically around us, it sort of, you know, took away some of the sympathy we might have had for these women. And I actually thought John Lithgow may have given the best performance. So that that's a movie that maybe should have been done by a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's flip the script. When somebody asks you, uh, what's a good movie? What should I go see? You as our guest critic now, and I can't believe you're the guest critic because you were the critic I always read when you were in USA Today. But now as our guest this week, what are you telling people is good? What If I said, give me one good movie, where are you sending people? I would say, well, if you're a man, Ford versus Ferguson. <laughs> 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 but I... Parasite blew me away, and you know, we I saw that at Millburg, and I knew it was going to be good, but I I do like this filmmaker awful lot. Parasite, yeah, yes, and you know, I think it's the first South Korean movie to compete with foreign language film, and the thing what I like about it is, you know, I, it didn't feel foreign to me. Like, it, this is a contemporary film that speaks to all people who are, you know, in the lower rungs of the economy and trying to struggle to get by. It's very sly, yeah. It's got humor, and it's a thriller, and it's surprising, and the acting's terrific. And, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, that that one surprised me in the best kind of way. It makes me sad to see all the resistance to subtitles because I am old enough, uh, as the oldest person in Washington, D.C., to remember the 70s when uh, the cool people actually went to foreign films. When, you know, if you wanted to be cool... You went over to the Outer Circle Theater or you went downtown to the DuPont Circle or you you saw, I, I remember um, Julian, who will be 21 in the year 2000, uh, whatever foreign film was, that was the cool thing to see. Martin Gere was on the screen for like 800 years, yes. right? Yes, yes. And, and then they did the bad remake. But <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. And, you know, they're doing that with Parasite. There's going to be a TV show? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How are you going to do that? Oh. I don't know. I'm curious. I mean, Bong Joon-ho is involved. Right. What, what are they going to call it on TV? Earworm? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Parasite, that's a good uh, thats a good thing to bring to our attention again. You know, what it, the movie that surprised me most that I actually enjoyed was Joker. Oh, really? Really? 
because I went alone. You know, I didn't go to a regular screen. I, and now, because I do what I do at home, I just go, like, on the Thursday night before it opens rather than right. going down to the bowels of, you know, Maryland somewhere. <laughs> but I um, I was so impressed by him. And he's a whole movie. Yeah. You know? But that's fine. And I always liked him. I, I interviewed him for The Master, and he was very sweet. He mm. gave me a big hug. I loved him in The Master. The Master is one of my all-time favorite movies. Well, the scene in the bathroom with him and Philip Seymour Hoffman uh-huh. blew my mind. Yeah, no, I think Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor, and I, and I thought it was a really no-holds-barred performance. I, I just I had some other issues with the film itself, and one of them is I don't, I don't think Todd Phillips should have been nominated for Best Director. I think that slot should have gone to Greta Gerwig instead well i i would agree with that just you know i was never a hangover fan so <laughs> but this one this one had something to it and i like the fact that hildor and i don't know how to say your last name she will be one of the few women who will win for the score for this movie i do mm. think the score and the music the huge part. Actually, I like the way Greta Gerwig scored Little Women. I was surprised at how good the music was in that. But I I will say, I think Joker Joker deals with some similar themes as Parasite does, and others have observed this too. But I think Parasite does it more elegantly and and, and in a more original way. Joker you know, feels a lot like just a Martin Scorsese riff to to a certain degree. I'm sorry, but I just hated Joker. It was just too mean for me. It was just too mean. I've seen a lot of mean films in my time. Yeah. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I've seen a lot. You have to kind of, you know, gird up and, and just go plow through it. <laughs> you know, flinch. <laughs> Susan, we love talking to you. It's always a great uh, honor when you speak with us. Well, I hear you guys. You know, I, I see, I hear Jen all the time on WTOP. So it's like I'm listening to a friend tell me what she thinks. So. <laughs> Aw, thanks, Susan. Thank you for having me. It's always great to hear from Susan. Speaking of Joker, and we were, I did, I got an email. Our one emailer, Bob Spruill of Pittsburgh, Oh. Sent me an email, and uh, he he has a blog called The Grandstander. So he said, I did see Joker, two hours of my life that I will never get back. Grim and ugly. Couldn't agree with you more when you said that you hated it. Should have kept it in the didn't see it, didn't want to see it category. So uh, thank you. Uh, and he's a fan of, he mentioned Francis Ha. Oh, which yeah. starred Greta Gerwig and was co-written by her and Noah Baumbach. Yeah. And that's that. That's a great film to bring to your attention. I love That's when I really got to be a fan of Greta Gerwig. Lewis? Arches is where in the podcast we shamelessly promote Hound Radio and what's going on right now. Check this out. Guess what you'll find at the bottom of the Hound Radio Concert Bowl? Tickets to an evening of reggae music, Friday, February 7th at the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club. It's the Bob Marley One Love Birthday Bash featuring I and I Rhythm, DC's three-time award-winning best reggae band. You'll celebrate the 75th birthday of reggae legend Bob Marley as they sing all his classic songs along with reggae favorites to keep you grooving. Get up, stand up, reggae. Stand up, stand up, 
stand up for your rights. Register now to win tickets at houndradio.com. Hey, man, we can't send you to Jamaica. But we'll help you reggae the night away at the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club Friday, February 7th with Hound Radio. The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. We are back now with the answer to our weekly movie trivia question. And since it's Oscar season, it's all about the Oscars. And here's, here's the question again, in case you missed it earlier. <laughs> Name one of the three films. I think all three. I think we could figure out all three. Yeah. Because you have them all answered in front of you, Arch. But even before I looked, I knew. (laughs) Name, all right, all three of the films that have won 11 Oscar awards on Oscar night. Go. Yeah, so it won't be 11 uh, this year. No. I think they'll spread them around. But I immediately remembered uh, Titanic. Yes. Of course. Right. Titanic was huge. I thought um, The Hurt Locker would be in there, but I think No, it didn't win as many. Way, way back... When I was young, (laughs) Ben Hur Mm -hmm. in 1959 won 11 Oscars. And uh, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, that's the one that would have stumped me. Would you have gotten that No, I would have remembered that one, too. Um, I I think it's funny. The ones that win that many, Mm -hmm. as closely as we cover this, I don't know if you find this, but somebody will say, what won last year? And I'm like, uh. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, Titanic? (laughs) I was like, that was 25 years ago. But like for the longest time, it was like, Titanic? What won last year? You're you're gonna. Oh, it was uh, you know, my it favorite was Green, Green Book. Book. I was so mad you know, that that I remember. You have to think about it. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's crazy considering how much time we spend thinking about it, and then as soon as it's over, it's like it's wiped from your memory board. All I remember about the Return of the King, Lord of the Rings, was uh, it was like a three three and a half hour movie. Yeah, and maybe not uh, three and a half. It just seemed like it went on forever, and then it had all these false endings. Right. So, a couple of times I got up. I was watching it at the 4000 Wisconsin Theater. Mm. And uh, literally, I would walk over there from Channel 4 because it was on the other side of the Presbyterian Church. And I, so I got up to leave. And no, no, here comes another ending. So I sat back down. Then I got up again. I think I got up three times to get <laughs> out of there. And finally, it ended uh, I was not a fan of The Lord of the Rings. You didn't like any of those movies? No, none of them. I liked The Lord of the Rings. I did not like The Hobbits, which were like a a sleeping pill for me. Uh Uh-huh. I I fell asleep in... The the first Hobbit fell asleep. Second one, I'm like, I'm going to have coffee. I'm going to be ready. (laughs) Ten minutes in, I was like, what? And then I just didn't see the third one. Uh, So there's your answer. Ben-Hur, 1959. Titanic. 1997, Lord of the Rings, 2003. So uh, what would you like to recommend for this weekend? Well, I've got a few things. Um, One is actually, it will start airing on this Monday, which is what, February 3rd, I believe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It's a new docuseries on HBO called McMillions. I don't know if you remember the um, Monopoly scandal, the, the McDonald's Monopoly scandal, where there was the contest that they used to do, and then people started rigging the contest. Oh, no. Which I remember this happening, but I did not remember any of the details. And um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have already, already optioned this for, to make a feature film, but this is the docu- 
documentary version. Mm. It's a six-part series on HBO. I've seen the first three. And it's just, you're, it's one of those stories you're watching like, oh my God, what? How did this corporate happen? Corporate greed. Well, no, it's it's not, well, it's not corporate greed. It's people rigging the McDonald's contest so that they would win a million dollars. And then the FBI started investigating and it looked like, oh, some of these people that are winning know each other. What's going on here? Some of them are related to each other. Oh, wow. Um. It's it's really interesting, so uh, I recommend checking that out. A show that debuted a while back, but maybe you haven't seen on Apple Plus if you're a subscriber. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I know another, another one. Thing I have to subscribe to. Yeah, oh. Oh. it's a tax write off. You've Come already on. got me using Google Docs. <laughs> that's your limit for yeah. 2020. <laughs> you know, that's as advanced as I'm going to get. But anyway, it's a show called Dickinson, and it's about Emily Dickinson, but done in oh. this very, um, Haley Steinfeld plays Emily Dickinson, and it's done uh-huh. in this very kind Love of her. contemporary, they use a lot of kind of contemporary language. It reminded me a little bit of um, what Sofia Coppola did with Marie Antoinette. Oh. Uh, okay. But it's really fun. One of the best things. There's like two or three shows on Apple Plus that are really good, and that is like very high up there. Hmm. And then, I don't know if I'm allowed to recommend a podcast on a podcast, because <laughs> obviously- you see if you want to, if you want to pay the royalty fee sure <laughs> did you see the opening skit of saturday night live yeah yeah uh, yeah that, where uh, they go to hell and the devil uh, among his other uh, her other uh, achievements she invented podcasts <laughs> <laughs> yeah so obviously first and foremost you should listen to this podcast of course. if for some reason you want another one and i can't imagine why you would uh, I'm a huge fan of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Oh, which, how interesting. Which is a podcast he's been doing uh, at least for a year or so, where he brings on just one guest and just goes really in-depth and has a long conversation oh, with them. Oh, wow. And, um, like, who has he had on? Uh, he has had a, a breadth of people. He's had, you know, actors like Paul Rudd. He had um, mm-hmm. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara recently. Mm-hmm. He had Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton on at one oh, point. Oh, how great. He had Neil Young. Like, it's, it's kind of all over really? the map. Wow. Um, Tina Fey, like, uh, you know, uh, I think David Letterman may have done it at one point. And I've always liked Conan O'Brien. He's incredibly smart, very funny. But, you know, in a a talk show TV format, there's only so much you can do. And in this format, he really gets to spend some time and have really good conversations. He's a very, very smart guy. He really is, yeah. Guys like that, they don't, you can't succeed in in those kind of venues unless you are really smart. Mm -hmm. Well, well, eh, some people manage to get by. Uh, (laughs) But Conan O'Brien is actually very smart. Okay, I take it back <laughs> how do you how do you get this podcast by the way well you get it a couple ways you get we're based through soundcloud so you can get pick it up there at soundcloud.com so you go, go to the uh you put soundcloud and in just your search Google at the movie and yeah. then, uh, and just, then just go us. ahead and just load it up or download the uh soundcloud app or if you'd like you can go to apple podcasts and it's available there too so i believe you can also get the podcast through google docs so you might want to look into that. Uh, really? Google Docs on Google <laughs> yeah, Docs. Script, right? <laughs> hey, this week I'm going to recommend Parasite. I think that's a great recommendation, and that is a not a movie to not overlook. And another overlooked film on Netflix is The Two Popes, mm-hmm. which I thought was just tremendous. And I have discovered something on Amazon Prime that I want to talk to you about more in the future called Undone. Have you oh, seen yes, this? Oh, yes, I have. Uh-huh. It's by the same, some of the people involved in BoJack Horseman. Right. I started watching it because it happens to be set in my hometown of San Antonio, Texas, which is very unusual. They don't do anything there. And uh, it's a story of a woman who has a car wreck 
and uh, the car wreck kind of puts her in another dimension, and she's communicating with her dead father, who's played by Bob Odenkirk, and the whole thing is rotoscoped. Yeah. So it's it's not it's a different technique even from BoJack Horseman. Uh, I th- I thought it was quite uh, interesting. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was really good. I'm I'm just uh, a little bit into it. So well, uh, those are your recommendations. That's it for uh, for this week. I'm Lou Katz. Of course, we're here with Jen Cheney, Arch Campbell, and we'll all be back next week for a special real close to the Oscars edition of our At The Movies podcast. Oh, and if it's okay, I want to end today because I was so happy watching the Saturday Night. It's so great when you see a Saturday Night Live episode and it really works. It's Saturday Night Live! The one last week worked. And I want to give a shout-out to Melissa Villasenor, who lampooned the Oscars in a segment on the news briefs. And I think it's one of the funniest things I've ever uh, seen. She sings about Oscars failings and Oscar snubs. And so, in case you missed it, uh, we're going to end today with uh, the audio of that bit from this week's Saturday Night Live, the one and only Melissa Villa Senor. Like that name, too. Here's my song for Joker. Hit it, fellas. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, skinny, skinny, laughs a lot, but still so scary. Dances on steps, go stompy, stompy, puts a pillow over crazy mommy. But the thing that this movie is really about is white male rage, white male rage. Yeah, that was that was great, Melissa. But I gotta say, I, I don't remember that song in Joker, and uh, and I watch that movie every day while I work out. What a weirdo! Well, uh, did you at least like the song? <laughs> I mean, I'm no music critic, but it seemed like it was just a description of the movie, and then it took a weird turn into social commentary. Aw, thanks. Well, here's another one. My song for The Irishman. This movie has a lot to offer Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa Gangster life gets kinda messy Robert De Niro and Lil Joe Pesci It's three hours long, they're old and they're young And it's white male rage, white male rage, white male rage Irishman! That was great, Melissa, but that one definitely was not in The Irishman. And I should know, I watched that movie alone on Christmas Day. That's so sad. <laughs> of course, none of, these, none of these songs are in the movies, Colin. Hey, here's another one. How many more do you have? A whole bunch. Okay. But I'll just combine them all, okay? okay. Hit it, boys. <laughs> Manson, Hitler, white male rage, World War a white male rage little women big performances but Greta Gerwig some cause of white male rage Buzz and Woody at it again it's white male rage white male rage white male rage This is the Cats Podcasting System